Hi, folks, and welcome back to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am, as always, Chris Yeh. This episode is a quick recap of Episode 2, Season 1 of Mental Samurai. Like the rest of you, I was watching with bated breath last night as Rob Lowe hosted the show, and I have a few comments and insider takes on things that happened. Number one, first out of the gate was Brandy Edwards, the cosmetologist. Brandy had a great run. She managed to get through 10 questions, and like so many people before her, she was tripped up by the memory tower. I've got to tell you, the thing that makes Mental Samurai so difficult is the need to be perfect and the fact that there are these four different categories of questions. Even if you're great in almost every category, if there's a single category or a single knowledge tower where you're not strong, it can trip you up and take down even the best possible competitor. And that's exactly what we saw with the next competitor, Ken Franklin, or as we like to call him, Dr. Ken. I did get a chance to hang out with Dr. Ken when I was down there in L.A. shooting Mental Samurai. He and his wife were both there. They were a fantastic couple, the cutest thing you'd ever see. And Dr. Ken was really excited about his games and the way he designed these games. And the way he put it on the show is that the games really helped them with lateral thinking, being able to handle the puzzles, being able to handle the sequences, having that kind of short-term memory that allowed him to really bang it out. And Dr. Ken also did very well, but he was tripped up by a different category of question, the knowledge question, which required him to know about the chain smokers. Now, if you saw the episode, you know that Dr. Ken is definitely a mature individual. He's probably not sitting to himself thinking, wow, I love listening to the chain smokers. I thought their collaboration with Halsey was great. And that just demonstrates why Mental Samurai is such a good measure of overall ability. Because Dr. Ken was killing the course, and he was on track, all business, ready to really make it happen, and he got tripped up by the one thing it was difficult for him to prepare for, which is a knowledge of today's pop music. Third up was Bennett Reber. And Bennett came in very strong. He said, I'm kind of cocky. Uh, I'm very sure of myself. He has that great long hair. And he came out strong as well, going out there. He was actually doing something different than a lot of the contestants. He was taking a very, what I would call, dramatic approach. And we'll talk more about this a little bit later on in this particular broadcast. But he was really talking out the questions. This was actually something the producers of the show recommended that we do. They didn't say you had to do it. What they said is, oftentimes, when you're stuck, if you talk out the questions, if you speak out loud, that'll help. Now... I think that's good advice for contestants. I think it also helps make it good television. So Bennett was going through the course when he came to his Waterloo, which was the elephant in the room. If you were watching the show, you saw it. It was oh so painful. It was this puzzle which showed an elephant in a room. And there were several times when Bennett's, yeah, the elephant's there in a room that it doesn't really belong in. Rob was making the most outrageous faces and reactions because he knew, oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy's going to be taken down by the elephant in the room. But that's exactly what happened. And it may be that Bennett knew that. I'm almost certain that he's heard the phrase before. But I got to tell you, it's very different when you're sitting in that chair, when the clock is running, when all the lights are on you, there's an entire crowd surrounding you. Rob Lowe is standing there bantering with you. 
it's really hard to just sit back and relax. Obviously, being relaxed is the best way, best way to succeed. We heard that from Joey's interview with the last episode, but easier said than done. And so Bennett ultimately went down to the elephant in the room and it was killing the audience because they all knew it too. A lot of times the audience doesn't necessarily know what the right answer is. In this case, they absolutely knew. Now, the next contestant was Heather Hurley. And again, Heather will be very clear to make sure she make make sure that she is uh, clear about this. She is not a librarian. She works for the Library of Congress, but she's a strategic planner. And I got a chance to spend some time with Heather. And what you see is what you get. She was very much like that on stage as well as off stage. Now, what Heather did is to take one of the two main approaches to doing their run. And Heather's approach is what I call the all-business approach. And in contrast, there's the approach that we saw a bit with Bennett, and we'll see more with Mitch, which is I call the dramatic approach. And this is the interesting calculus you have to go through as a competitor. So if you take Mental Samurai as a game, and you just break it down, just think of it as a game, then the all-business approach is the way to go. Because if you're all business, you're trying to lock things in as quickly as possible. You're trying to give yourself as much of a time cushion as you need to puzzle out those questions which are actually difficult. And we saw on this show and in the montage and in the case of Bennett, there are times when you just run out of time. And that is one of the main things that makes this show so difficult, the time pressure. So if you're all business, if you're going through locking in as quickly as possible, no wasted motion, no wasted words, that's going to give you the best chance of getting through. But as I mentioned, it's so difficult to get all the way through. And that leads to the other strategy, which is what I call the dramatic strategy. And the dramatic strategy says, listen, I'm not likely to make it all the way through the chances of getting 12 of these questions correct in less than five minutes is pretty low. So let me just make the most of it. Let me enjoy my time in the spotlight. Let me play to the crowd and to Rob. Let me take my time. And if I do that, it probably increases the chances that I get on the show. Now, I don't mind telling you that one of the thoughts that was on my mind going through the show was, wow, I've flown down to LA. I'm spending a couple of days on this, sitting around in these conference rooms, it's not really pleasant. It's it's fun to be with these amazing, incredible, smart people, but the actual waiting around is not the best thing in the world. And gosh, the worst thing would be if I went through all this and I didn't make it on the air. And I got to tell you, I actually did shade myself a little bit in the dramatic direction. And you'll see that in my episode on April 30th. Now, again, we saw that Heather went through this course like a buzzsaw, and she was all business. I was really impressed by the way she barely even moved as Ava was moving her around. I mean, a lot of us are being thrown about. Heather was like totally grounded. She had a good grip. She barely even moved during that whole time. And as a result, she tore through this course faster than anyone we've seen before. She had over 36 seconds left on the clock when she finished all 12 questions, joining Sam as persons to complete the course and go on to the grand championship. Now, Heather kept it up in the circle of samurai. 
And this is another thing. Heather, I know, is a champion at many things. She's actually been on NPR before, so she knows what it's like on the spotlight. But even Heather had this issue. You remember, the way she went out is she had a question where she needed to add together five, four, and two to get the answer. And she even said that on television, it's five and four and two. And by the way, again, she is a textbook case of how to play this game. You could watch her as she's going through the memory. She's repeating out loud, five of this, four of this, two of this. She's doing all those things to trigger her memory, just a textbook run. But at the end, she said five, four, and two, and she said nine. And it just goes to show you, even the greatest competitors, even those people who have been under the bright lights before, who have performed on the biggest stages before, can just space out for a second. And Mental Samurai is unforgiving. If you miss one thing, you're out. But, you know, congratulations to Heather for completing the course, going on to the Grand Championship and winning $50,000, which is a pretty good take for a single evening, if I do say so myself. Now, the next contestant, there were two more on this episode. The next contestant was Mitch Emerson, the ride-hailing driver. I guess we're not allowed to say Uber or Lyft. I'm assuming he drives for both. And karaoke host. Now, Mitch, just like Heather, was the canonical example of all business. Mitch was the canonical example of the dramatic approach. He was having the time of his life. And you can tell he is a total extrovert. You don't become a karaoke host if you want to be all business. You become a karaoke host if you love the stage, you love the banter, you love doing all these things. And Mitch did that. He was going out there and having himself a ball. And he was talking through the answers on almost all of the questions. He was taking his time. And Mitch got all the questions right, but ran out of time with that one question left. He didn't even get a chance to answer it because, again, Ava takes up a significant significant amount of time just moving you around. And so that's an interesting question. I would love to pose it to Mitch. He's coming in. He's playing with his strategy. He's coming in dramatically. He's doing a great job. And by the way, it worked. He's on television. He got his moment in the spotlight did an incredible job, really showed that he is a guy with tremendous knowledge and tremendous capabilities. But if he had just been a little more all business, he would have had plenty of time to answer, last la- answer that last question, win $10,000, and go on to the Circle of Samurai where he could have made up to $100,000. So that is one of those fascinating things. Again, as the season progresses, watch for the all business approach, watch for the dramatic approach and see what happens. Our final contestant of the night was Carl Sharp, who had grown up in foster care. It was a heartwarming story. His uncle Frank had taken him in. Obviously, I think it's it's resulted in a great life and seeing the family there on stage was fantastic. Carl again going through very well, but lost on those candles. And we've actually seen this a couple times this series already. What's interesting is these questions are actually combining a couple of different things. The first is the knowledge. How many original colonies were there? What was the name of the John Hughes film? And I thought Rob's reactions were great because obviously he knew as personal friends, everyone who was in 16 Candles, classic movie, by the way. And so Carl did not know the answer. He locked in on 13 for the number of candles instead of the number of colonies. And because time was running out, he ended up guessing 17 and losing. 
Now, I can assure you, Carl is a smart guy. Didn't get to meet him. I hope I do get a chance to. He knew that there were 13 American colonies. Maybe he knew or maybe he didn't know the 16 candles. If he had more time, he might have been able to do it. Now, I will say this. This illustrates two things. We saw Dr. Ken go out on a pop culture question, which is a current pop culture question with the chain smokers. And then we saw in this very same episode, Carl go out on an old pop culture question, a 1980s pop culture question, where no doubt Carl was born long after that movie ever appeared. Now, people watch stuff on Netflix these days, but gosh, one of the tough things is to be able to know the pop culture of the past as well as the pop culture of the present. And I don't mind saying that this, I felt, was always one of my strengths in the show, which is because I grew up in Los Angeles, in Santa Monica, California, I actually have a fairly in-depth, or sorry, fairly broad knowledge of popular culture, despite not having the time to watch all the television shows. I'm an avid Entertainment Weekly reader. I grew up watching Entertainment Tonight. And so I have a residual memory of pop culture that hopefully I'll get a chance to display on April 30th. So anyways, this was a quick recap of episode two of Mental Samurai. I hope you enjoyed some of these insider insights. I'll be following up with another episode coming soon with some of the interviews from episode two's contestants. I'll try to get as many as I can. And I just hope that you're enjoying Mental Samurai, enjoying this coverage. If you do, please tell a friend, tell them to like, subscribe, and share. And I'll look forward to seeing you again soon.